You're listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Today's episode is hosted by Rethink Retail top retail influencer, Carl Boutet. Based in Montreal, Canada, Carl brings his 25-plus years of retail leadership experience to Studio RX, a strategy advisory firm that he founded to support retailers, business leaders, B2C solution providers, and researchers focused on how to tailor the best solutions according to customers' rapidly evolving needs and build the effective commercial strategies to meet them. During this episode, Carl sits down with guests Megan Lund and Rasmus Hildegard to discuss digital transformation and bust a few myths about consumer data and marketing. They'll also weigh in on a few recent digital transformation stories that have been making headlines in the news. And if you enjoy this episode, let us know by rating and reviewing the Rethink Retail podcast on Apple and Spotify. And now, on to today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Rethink Retail podcast. I'm your host, Carl Boutet, and today we're going to be diving into the topic of digital transformation and how retailers are utilizing data to create powerful marketing activations to meet today's new customer. Joining me today are guests Megan Lund and Rasman Hitgard, which I'm sure I got those names wrong, but anyways, we'll, we'll get a chance to correct those shortly. Uh, Megan is a solutions consultant at Amperdi, an enterprise CDP trusted by the world's most loved brands to accelerate their shift to first-party customer relationships. Amperdi has revolutionized the way brands identify, understand, and connect with the customers by leveraging AI to deliver the comprehensive and actionable customer 360. Rasman is an AI and IoT retail lead at Avanade, where he leads a team that provides retail and consumer good clients with actionable insights using data, and AI-specific technologies. Founded in 2000 by Accenture and Microsoft, Avanade is a leading provider of innovative digital, cloud, and advisory services, industry solutions, and design-led experiences across the Microsoft ecosystem. Megan, Rasmus, Rasmus, it's great to have you both on the show today. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Carl. Our pleasure. All right. Well, let's jump right into the questions here because that's what the people are here for. You get the insights and, and, and get your perspective on these, this exciting topic around transformation. So uh, can you kick us off by telling us a little bit about your experience with retail brands and the work you do at your company? Megan first. Sure thing. So first and foremost, I approach retail as an enthusiastic consumer shopper. I totally love this space, love being able to get especially the constant inspiration from my day-to-day life. Um, But I've spent the last half dozen or so years uh, in the retail business world uh, after spending some time uh, uh, in the biotech and telecom industries. I jumped into retail headfirst when I joined the marketing team uh, for the Plenty Loyalty Program, which was the first coalition loyalty program in, in the United States. And I was really focused on couponing and offer optimization. Uh, super fun role where I, you know, collaborated with supermarkets, drugstores, department scores on identifying the best audiences and offers to grow their business and customer loyalty. And that's really where I caught the retail data bug um, in, in that role. And then I continued on uh, into a, a retail partnership role at American Express, working with brands like Wayfair, REI, Best Buy, 
on data-driven partnerships to acquire new customers and delight their existing fans. And now I've been with Amparity for just over three years, just celebrated my uh, anniversary uh, earlier in April. And I've held a, a variety of roles here in customer engagement and now in solutions consulting, uh, where I work with enterprise retail brands to introduce them to the Amparity solution um, and help them understand if and how a customer data platform can help them grow their business and strengthen their relationships with their customers. Um, and I think it, it really just comes full circle for me. It's always been about knowing who your customers are and using that to earn their loyalty and their continued support. Awesome. Wow. That's a quite, quite the... Uh... Quite the background. You seem very much connected with uh, today's topic and how we're trying to keep up with customers and and and, and make maintain uh, sort of the uh, the top of mind uh, that we need to with the data that's uh, behind it. So, Rasmus, tell me a bit about what your uh, background is. Absolutely. Like for many, my, my first real job was actually in retail, and I think for me this speaks to the power of retail in terms of how many of us it actually touches, be professionally or as consumers. Uh, like Megan, I'm an avid consumer, but I also find that working in retail is a common theme amongst many of my friends and, and, and colleagues. So it's almost like being part of retail is a rite of passage. Uh, you, you, you start there, you might end there, you might go somewhere in between, but we're all part of it and touching it almost every day in our lives. Uh, professionally speaking, I spent the majority of my career trying to help solve the business problems using technology. I like to see technology as a lever. And typically, uh, I've been in the space where you talk about AI and IT, cloud, edge compute, all that jazz. And I think the, the interesting part there for me is there's a lot of untapped value that is sitting out there. And, and, and my question and my quest really is about how do we unlock it and how do we partner and who do we partner with to make that happen? So ever since Johnny Avanad, I've been fortunate enough to speak to senior stakeholders across the retail spectrum, ranging from CEOs to CMOs and CIOs to innovation leads and shift managers. And I think ultimately at Avanad, we believe that we can help with the clients rethink the role of the store as we help connect the physical and the digital or digital, I like to call it. And in doing so, we, we would like to partner with, you know, the best of breed out there, industry leaders like Imperity, for instance, who are here with us today, a partner who have re really revolutionized the way brands identify, understand and connect with customers through AI to unlock action insights. So that's great for me. So after all that, what I what I what sticks out to me is you're both big consumers. So that's that's the I guess the core to this this wonderful world of uh, retail is we need to appreciate sort of what that journey looks like and and coming from a place where we both we all like to uh, hopefully consume responsibly. Uh, we uh, it brings a nice perspective uh, to our next question, which is historically customers really only expected fair prices and good service, but that's no longer the case. And consumers have needs that are more complex than ever before. Can you describe some of the shifts you are seeing and how retailers are responding to them? Uh, Rasmus first. Certainly. I mean, at, at Avanade, we have a saying, and, and that is that the customer is the only channel. Uh, we find that omnichannel, while it still has a place, the question is now about if I'm a customer or consumer, where am I today? Like right now, I'm on this podcast. Maybe I can be on the app and go shopping there. I have three kids and a wife. You know, sometimes I don't want to bring my kids to the store even. Uh, I might buy something and drive over later and pop open my trunk and pick it up. I'm not going to go into the store. But this weekend, maybe I want to go shopping and I want to go and touch and play and feel physical products. And I think that's really the change we're seeing is that you need to capture the customer in their moment of truth, whatever that might be. 
So today's Savvy Connected customers, we don't go shopping anymore at particular times and places. We expect to shop when, where, how we want, be it fast, cheap, convenient, whatever, deliver to our home, store, pickup point. And we all expect, and I think we've learned this over the last couple of years, that there is this sort of digital and cohesive experience that can connect better, digital and physical, the convergence there that have ultimately allowed us to move seamlessly between online and in-store shopping. And, and what, what we see a lot right now is that there's partly that motion. The customer is the only channel. What's the role of the store? And then you have the customers, actually, we find that they are searching. They're looking for the next best thing. And your loyalty as part of that might be challenged because, hey, I see something that's better. Can, can't you offer me this also? And why can't you do it that way? Otherwise, I might start shifting slowly and I'll start dating someone else. And eventually, that might be a relationship you don't want to lose. So I think that that's a big thing that we see right now in terms of where we see the, the, the motion in the market. Excellent. Well, definitely. The, the, the customer is the channel. Uh, seems, it resonates hard, loud and strong with me. Uh, Megan, what's your, your perspective on this? Yeah, I, I, I was just thinking, I love that saying, and I feel like I should get that on a plaque and put it above my computer. Um, love that a lot. Um, yeah, I, I would echo that. I think um, moving to one-to-one relationships with your customers is something that's been talked about for many years. I think if you look five, 10 years ago, the kind of saying, if you will, was like personalization is a differentiator. You need to invest here. Um, and I think not so much anymore. Now this is table stakes. Every customer expects that with every brand that they interact with, right? You uh, either directly or indirectly are giving brands and retailers a lot of information about uh, yourself. And the expectation is now there uh, for retailers to show me that you know me and uh, c- create curated, seamless experiences. I love the buy online pickups in, in store. I feel like that's one that uh, you know folks have wanted for a long time. And now that it's coming to life across so many different brands, um, huge way for uh, a differentiated experience and that that ease of, of, of shopping and, and uh, getting that product in, in, into customers' hands. When we think about personalization, it goes beyond just showing uh, customers the products that they have uh, the, the highest propensity to buy in their email or on, a, on your homepage. And I think we see this going a lot further than that to taking that one-to-one approach to understanding things like customer life cycle and buying patterns. So as an example, think of like a, a luxury retail brand. You have a, some customers with disposable income who will be in to spend a few hundred dollars every, every, every month or every couple of months. And then there's, you also have shoppers that come in, you know, uh, consider an item for six months, finally come in and, and convert on Black Friday when there's a super markdown. And, you know, even applying the same logic to things like welcome series and um, how you're evaluating if if that customer is looking to churn is very different in those scenarios. And for for honestly, every every customer that you have and and taking a a very fine look at what is the best for this customer in this moment um, is, is really what it comes down to. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, today with all the data we have access to, it's it's sort of uh, almost irrelevant if we're not, uh, or we're quickly becoming relevant if we can't find a way to, to at least personalize part of the customer journey. And I think soon, I mean, that will be most of the customer journey to that specific customer and, and making sure they have a unique experience that means the most to, the most to them. Um, next question is, what are some... Uh, 
Mythbusters you want to share with retailers today when it comes to customer data and powering marketing activations? Uh, Megan. I am so excited for this question because this is something I love to pontificate on. Um, uh, And that's really, I'm going back to loyalty, going back to my roots here. I think that when many, especially retail marketers are, are considering they're high value customers, right? People in your top 5% by lifetime value or, or just your high spenders. There's this um, uh, correlation that happens in your mind that high value equals loyal, right? So if you see that your average customer is spending $100 a year and here's someone who's spending $500, she's super valuable. I agree with that. Is she super loyal? I don't think so you don't really know. You don't have all of the information to know that maybe she's spending $700 a year uh, at your competitor down the street, right? Think about how many, I don't know, athletic shoppers are also shopping at Lululemon and Sweaty Betty a lot. And I know personally, I shop in multiple grocery stores, multiple drug stores. Um, we we kind of go where, where's, where's most convenient and there's different, um, we shop categories in, 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 in different ways. And so I'll be talking to specifically retail marketers who conflate this concept of high value and loyalty. And it's really easy to become almost blasé about your high value customers. You think they're loyal, they love us, they're given, we can count on them, but they're not. And I think, uh, I think Rasmus, you were, you were talking a little bit about, um, you know, what happens when you start to date someone else and, and a relationship fades away. That's exactly what, uh, what's at stake here. And um, the investment, continued investment in your top customers, whether they're loyal or not, um, and, and uh, the ability to continue to serve them, give them differentiated experiences needs to remain a priority. You can't uh, get complacent about high value customers and just think they're loyal. I can count on them because um, otherwise your competitors will court them and they will erode away from your brand. So I, I, th- this is one of my favorite topics to, to dig in deep on, uh, but I think this is this is a misconception I, I, I see kind of throughout the industry and, and, and something that folks need to, to take a hard look at um, how they conflate different concepts and, and, and whether it makes sense to. And, and if I may just build on that, what, what Megan just talked about back to a question call, I think there are a couple of things here that you touched on earlier as well, which is it's not like we as consumers or customers are not aware of the fact that you have a lot of data. So my question back to this sort of show me that you know me is why aren't you using that power better? I know you, I gave you all this data. Why aren't you using it better or why aren't you using it at all? And I think that's what we're seeing as well is that some consumers or customers are starting to get frustrated with the fact, like, I already gave you all this information online. I mean, so why don't you have it? Or I gave you all this information last time. Why can't you use it? Or I've been dating you or being loyal to you for years. And why can't you give me a better offering, a curated offering that actually speaks to me? So I think there's a little bit of that going on as well. And, and I think in, in that journey, then, if we talk go back a little bit to your question here, um, that customer journey now it has become almost like an infinity loop. There is no sort of distinct starting point, end point. It's, it's, my journey starts wherever it starts. I might be here right now. I'm going to be somewhere else tomorrow and this week. You know, I'll be in a totally different location. And, and you need to be with me there. And you need to be able to provide me with connected, relevant experience throughout that journey. And, and that path has a lot of crossovers because now we, of course, over, over the last two years, we've seen a lot of chatter about the supply chain and all that. And, and that's a similar asset where we know that there is a lot of data out there. Where's my stuff? So show me that you know me. And by the way, where's the stuff that I just bought? I want to see it. 
I want to know when it arrived at the warehouse. I want to know when it's in the store. I want to know when it's on the truck that is on the way to my house. And I want to know that in 10 minutes it's going to show up at my door because why not? Others can do it. Why can't you do it? So I think there's a lot of that going on. And, and um, this also helps strengthen that relationship because, again, I think our belief here is that those players who can do that better, they will attract new customers. And that's where if you can keep that loyalty motion going and keep providing those data points to me as, as a singular customer, it's a little bit of personalization, but it's also you, you, you're, you're teasing it out of me. Like, like it gets me excited. I'm here. That's a super great offering. I'm excited. Let's talk about it. Let's ship it to me. I, I want I want it now. When can I get it? So let's build on that motion. That's what that would be my addition there to what Megan talked about. Yeah, I, I, I you know, been saying for a long time, and I keep hoping that you know it, we're we're going we're heading in a better direction, but not fast enough. As we, again, with all the the volumes and volumes of da- data as consumers that we opt in to to you know we give i guess is is <laughs> because it doesn't seem like we're we're selling it we're giving the data to to businesses and retailers and, and others the, the, the so still so little that is actually being done with it is that can be you know money that returns any real value for me to give that data in the first place so i think as you know as an industry we're going to have to pick up the pace because they might come where you know consumers are going to be less and less that's transparent with us if we're not going to be able to deliver better experiences in return for that uh, that 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 transparency they're sharing with us around their tastes and wants if we don't uh, if we don't meet them. Um, which brings us to question five. On the flip side, how can uh, brand uh, how can brands use data to capitalize on this moment of retail transformation? One of my favorite things about 2022 is that we are finally getting back to live person events. And one event Rethinker Retail is especially looking forward to this year is Shop Talk Europe. Taking place June 6th through 8th at Excel London, Shop Talk Europe is the new home for Europe's retail and grocery changemakers. The event is expected to see over 2,500 decision makers from leading retailers and brands. You'll also see startups, tech firms, investors, media like Rethink Retail, and analysts from around the world. Yes, we are all coming together to learn, network, collaborate, and evolve. The event will host more than 200 industry speakers. And if that wasn't enough to keep you busy, more than 250 companies will be showcasing the latest trends and innovations that are transforming the global retail sector. Qualifying retailers and brands can attend Shop Talk Europe for free and receive up to a 500 pound travel reimbursement through Shop Talk's world renowned hosted meeting program. For more information, to see the lineup, or to register your company, shoptalkeurope.com is the place to visit. Again, that is shoptalkeurope.com. How can brands use data to capitalize on this moment of retail transformation? Rasmus? Yeah, good question. And I think it's back to our mantra, if I, if I dare use that word these days, which is the customer's only channel or you know, truly channel as customer experiences. So I think for, for retailers, making sense of all the digital and in-person data that you actually have, so you can get that clear view of how they act and what they like and all that jazz, that's what ultimately will empower the kind of experiences that will keep your customer eventually coming back more. 
And if we want to take that a step further by, by harnessing all that data that, that you have at your disposal, you know, you need to start digging a little bit, unearth those insights, make predictions, but also, and this is a key tenant in terms of what I like to talk about it, how do you make it actionable? What do you really want me to do? Because I'm right here in the store, I'm your educator, your frontline worker, your store associate. Give me the vehicle, the tools, and the actions in terms of what do you want me to execute on right now? And I think that's a little bit also, you know, back to the, to the last two years where a lot of us have been working from home uh, who have been in this space in that retail is still on the front lines. You are in that store, you are executing in the here and now. And while I might be multitasking in front of my computer every day, you can't do that in a real life setting. There's a customer there. There's only one thing you can do. You need to guide me better towards those things that will actually delight today and retain the, your customer tomorrow so you can keep them going forward. Amazing. Absolutely. And Megan? Yeah, I love that. I, I, I have a, a, a recent story that I want to share of a uh, retail interaction gone right. And it really gets to the core of what Rasmus was just talking about of uh, truly understanding who your customer is and all of the data points that they're giving to you and using that in a really smart way. So here, here's kind of the background. Last weekend, I uh, was headed to a baby shower for a friend of mine, a childhood friend. And I don't have kids. I'm pretty pretty clueless when it comes to uh, to children and babies. So uh, for the shower, I just selected, you know, a couple things off her registry that she had at a, a large baby retailer. Um, again, totally clueless, didn't want to navigate the store. So did things like uh, bought online and, and let them shop for me so that I could pick it up in store. So obviously there's a bit of data that's being collected on me to facilitate this purchase. So name, phone number, email for confirmation. And I get to the inevitable checkbox of, yes, subscribe me to your mailing list. But they have a great spin on this. So uh, below this, you can select what is your reason for the purchase that day? And there's three options. The first is, are you a parent? Second is, are you expecting? Or three, is this the gift? And I was like, ooh, I'm going to check is this is a gift and see what happens. And here's what I, here's what I really love. So the brand can see that I purchase items from a registry. They can see that I opted in an email as a gift, gift giver. They can be smart about that and say, it doesn't pay for them to bombard me with a welcome series or daily emails about the latest and greatest baby things. I'm a, I think about it, right? Uh, when's the next time I might actually buy maybe at holidays for, for a present, maybe a year from now for, for like a first birthday. And so this brand can be uh, very selective in when they when they email me. And ultimately, again, getting back to that actionable point, actionable point this helps them main, maintain their contactability for me, uh, maintain the health of that email list, their, their, their primary way that they uh, interact with their customers, and um, ultimately just preserve uh, the, the, me as a potential consumer down the line at a holiday or, or, or a year from now at first birthday. And so I really think kind of the actionable advice there is that customers are willing to provide relevant data, as, as we've been talking about. Um, alongside everything else that you're kind of collecting automatically, like that this purchase was off a registry. And I think it's really important for folks to uh, dig through customer data and find the indicators that maybe someone's going to be a less frequent purchaser, like myself at a baby store. I'm, I'm, I'm maybe a holiday only purchaser. Maybe it's, it's a super sale purchaser for a super brand, for a, a, a specific brand. 
And I'm telling you something valuable. And now it's on you, Brand, to use this information to inform how you market to me. And I'm more likely to do things like stay opted into email and you have a, sh- a shot of winning my business when it's time to buy that holiday present. Um, and if you bombard me with the, the kind of traditional welcome series, I might opt out and then I'm kind of lost and, and way out of your universe by the time November rolls around. So the other way of, of thinking about this is um, in addition to getting uh, really sharp on those insights of, of who to invest in, important to figure out who not to invest in. Um, it just just is just as important to sharpen that strategy kind of from both sides. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's and there's a you know, I know those are sort of some low tech, you know, just good thought out ways of uh, without having to get into predictive analytics to figure out, you know, I just ask somebody what their shopping cycle, you know, or get put a question in there would be a, a key indicator. So sometimes I think the the idea here is just think it through and 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 try to try to actually do some of the some of the complexity uh, before even asking the data to do it for us. So that's a really interesting mm-hmm. point. Um, next is a, just a couple of rapid fire sort of in the news items that uh, that the team here at uh, Retail Rundown asked me to some of the, some of the latest news stories and, and that kind of relate to digital transformation in retail and get your opinions on. So just very quickly, uh, your thoughts on, let's start with the fire, the Farfetch uh, Neiman Marcus uh, um, uh, a partnership where Farfetch has invested 200 million in Nemo Marcus, and Nemo Marcus is going to be using the Farfetch platform, especially in Europe and Asia. So, uh, Rasmus, first, what are what's your what's your first thoughts when you saw that uh, in the news, and and sort of the motivation and what can be gained from that uh, kind of partnership? Yeah, good good question there, Carl. Thank you. Um, I mean, I think this is Nemo Marcus trying to go on the offensive, likely allowing them to enter new markets more freely, perhaps, and more easily expand their global reach. Uh, I think it'd be interesting to see how they can use that to enhance the customer experience, similar to the narrative we're seeing that we'll talk about here today. And uh, you know, the customers on the channel, make sure that journey is comes whole for your customers. But as well, I think it's also the the, the continuing theme here, and, and we haven't gone into the metaverse yet, maybe we'll chat about that later. But so you have this entire demographic change in terms of the, the, the population and how it keeps growing older. And, Sort of the experiences you, and expectations you bring with you as you do that, and, and I think that means, you know, what the, what where are you going to go if you want to be everywhere? Customers may change the channel engagement from one day to another. How do you meet that? And then what does that mean for Neiman Marcus? I'm going to come into the Farfetch marketplace in terms of, you know, there's so many different marketplaces. Hence my little meta discussion there. And is this going to be the right one? I mean, it's certainly moving in the right direction and it will make sure their brand is really available also within these outside marketplaces. And then I think from the far-fetched perspective, I'm curious to learn more about, you know, what learnings will they draw from sort of learning out of Neiman Marcus and their physical footprint? We've seen a lot of digital natives going clicks to bricks. And I, I'm curious to see how Farfetch would use this sort of learnings here to expand their own bricks and mortar play potentially as physical and digital key keep converging going forward. Absolutely. Megan. Yeah, I think this is a really great example of how retail technology is a differentiator, right? If your if your stack is behind, your business is designed, uh, is behind. And um I think what's what's really interesting and kind of unusual uh, to, to me in this in this particular deal is that these are these are competitors, right? These are kind of unlikely bedfellows uh in years in years past. 
And um, really interesting to see kind of the perspective of, okay, if I can't beat them, join them. Um, let me invest in things like partnerships so that I can take advantage of this technology to, to deliver those great experiences. Um, and, and, and don't be afraid to look at these unusual sources of technology, not just the big mega vendors, um, but kind of wh- where, where are you seeing innovation and how can you tap into that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, probably an accelerant as well when you when you're playing catch up and uh, a interesting point Rasmus around you know what this what can Farfetch learn from uh, get out of their 200 million dollar investment as well that's going to allow them to maybe better you know integrate into physical as as we we've been saying one ta- one cannot really subsist without the other and I guess Farfetch and and even Marcus plus a 200 million dollar check always helps uh, to make those uh, those 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 partnerships uh, get along better um I don't have it in the list here. I'm going to see if I can catch you both off uh, a bit because this just, just was in the news yesterday. What are your thoughts around Lululemon uh, with their acquisition of Mirror and getting into membership and, and, and the opportunities, the digital transformation opportunities that's going to provide, even though some of that membership is going to play out in actual gyms. would love to get your, your thoughts on Lululemon, Mirror and membership. Megan. Yeah, sure. Oh, I love this uh, 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 off the cuff question. I think this is awesome. Um, uh, the, the whole membership concept is something that has just exploded in the last couple of years. And I think um, Lululemon is doing uh, quite a bit in kind of alternative buying habits, whether this, whether it's this uh, membership. I also saw that they recently um, are in the midst of launching their used clothing, pre- certified pre-owned Lululemon clothing, for lack of a better term. I really applaud Lululemon because I, I see these as larger shifts in, in how consumers want to buy. And uh, they're kind of meeting the market and testing out these ideas. And I, I look forward to seeing how they pan out. Absolutely. Rasmus, any any thoughts with my off-the-cuff question? I think on the Mirror side, there's been a lot of news about Mirror for years with, with Lulu. And uh, I think that they've been challenged a little bit and where they're going to bring this. I, I remain curious about the concept. I can certainly see it in, in some places and spaces including sort of going into a Lulu studio and then have that engagement with the mirror to understand, is this really the fit for me? What kind of workouts do I want to do? And almost get similar to personalization in terms of, you know, based on my body, where I am and, and who I am, maybe you can offer me up some some training activities that actually fits me better. So person for me, I played soccer all my life and then I had some unfortunate injuries and, and gave up eventually at older age. There might be things that I can get into that I'm not aware of because I never did it. And then you got coupled that little bit with the gear and all the things I need activewear to make that work. So I think there is a complementary option there. And I look forward to seeing Lulu playing that out because the results in the past couple of years have just been phenomenal. Yeah, well, absolutely. Listen, they're, they're, they've even gotten to, uh, uh, to shoes now, into athletic shoes. So who knows? Maybe they'll get into cleats uh, to get you back on the soccer pitch. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> Um, so listen, we, that we'll keep that for we'll keep those uh, other examples for another time because I think we're 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 already uh, half over half an hour in. So I want to um, just quickly get your uh, uh, to end our question period here. What's next for retailers in 2022, and how are Amparity and Avanade responding to these trends? What kinds of results are you seeing, Megan? Great. Well, I think as we kind of discussed throughout this this uh, discussion today. There are so many changes uh, happening very rapidly in this industry, 
And uh, and Parity's uh, kind of focus and and uh, is to continue to stay grounded on helping retailers have a crystal clear focus on their customers. So serving our customers' customers. Um, so so many changes, right? We're coming out of the pandemic. Uh, we are seeing um, a, a explosion of growth in e-com and digital retail over that period. And is there a little bit of a correction happening now? Um, so changes in customer behavior are happening. Um, available data is changing, right? We don't have to go. We don't even get into third-party cookies, but that is a huge, mm. um, a huge change on the horizon. State privacy regulations. So again, big change in in, in customer behavior and and potentially the, the data that you're able to uh, leverage for all these personalization efforts. Um, and then, as we just discussed with you know Peloton retailers themselves, I just conflated Peloton and Lululemon. So let me start that over again. Um, and then as we just discussed with Lululemon, uh, retailers themselves are experimental by nature. Um, and there's so many new messaging platforms and apps and different subscriptions or, uh, channels to, to, uh, to, to sell through all of these points to kind of a proliferation of data that needs to be organized in a manner that makes it useful and actionable, uh, to, 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 to uh, marketers and others at, at retail brands. Um, so, you know, here at Amparity, we're going to keep on keeping on in our mission to help brands bring all of their customer together in a rapid, accurate, flexible way that lets them de-risk all of these changes and empower their teams with the right customer data to continue to make the best decisions and power the strongest marketing. Excellent. Rasmus? Yeah, thank you. I mean, I want to build again up what Megan said. I think the experimentation within retail is, is phenomenal. And I think we see this through this digital transformation wave that's driving actually talent scarcity for everyone. And I, th- I think one of the things we didn't talk about today is the fact that many of our clients are, they're backed up. They are so busy because they all are trying to change the game. And I think the game changer we're, we're, changer we're seeing and talking a lot about now and hearing a lot about is actually, what is that new experience? Who, who are we really? And who are our customers really? And finding that wedge so that you can be unique and special in your own way, because everyone is a little bit special and unique and different. But if you can call that out more clearly and drive that experience and drive that brand promise home, I think those are the retailers we see that do phenomenally well. And we can just drop some numbers here. Cole's talking about you know their omnichannel customer being six times more productive. We saw Target come out a few months ago with their results saying whatever it was, like 90% of the growth came from this sort of omnichannel approach and micro-fulfillment. And I think that's another tenant here we haven't really talked about, which is that that stores are almost like becoming this product that must continuously refresh. So how can you take you know, the physical store being still at the heart of retail? Yeah, you need these new approaches. You need to figure out what experience you want to drive. But then you also need to think about your store operations and how do you actually deliver those experiences with impact, which then touches back on what Megan talked about in terms of personalization and reaching rather to the right narrative. But let's not forget about the frontline worker and the people out there giving them the right actions and the right signals as well so they can focus on the right things and then use automation then to sort of take out the more maniacal tasks that we maybe can have computers do and, and figure stuff out for you. So I think part of our job as Avanad these days is to provide that unique ability for our clients to actually drive that end-to-end transformation and do that through the power of connected systems. So if we, if we keep that focus on the customer, the customer is the only channel, if we start working through the notion of you know, the store, it's almost like a product, it's almost like an operating system on its own. What does that mean in terms of sort of getting those apps in there and the speed, the modularity, 
orchestration of all that, and then actually delivering localized capabilities. Because that's another facet here is that your store might be a little bit different. I'm in Richmond, Virginia, you might be in Chicago, but they're not going to play out the same way. So how do you actually match those capabilities with that experience using all the data you have about your customers and then feeding the right insights into your store and the employees so you can execute even better? And I think that's really where, where we want to lean in here uh, as we are through the first quarter of 2022. Love it. Well, that was a really great session. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, great insights to unpack within that, and, and especially as we're all trying to figure out how to better leverage our data and, and build more relevant and meaningful customer experiences. So thank you both very much for those great answers. And uh, how can our listeners get in touch? Sure. Uh, well, I, I have to uh, give a shout out to Imperity. So if, you want, if you're interested in learning more, come on down to Imperity.com. Um, but uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Megan Lundy. Um, give a search for me, would be happy to connect and uh, looking forward to making uh, kind of new retail friends. Fabulous. Rasmus, yeah, and, and and don't give us your long Swedish name that we have to try to enter <laughs> into LinkedIn, please, because I think we might lose a couple of listeners along the way. Yeah, that's that's good advice right there. So LinkedIn, uh, straightforward, Rasmus Hildegard, uh, Avena.com is a beautiful way to engage as well. If you think about rethink physical retail, please do reach out. It's a brave new world. Let's face it together. Love it. Thank you so much, both of you, for being here today. And uh, hopefully our listeners are going to be able to reach, uh, reach out to you directly and keep on learning through this wonderful retail world that we're all a part of. So thanks again for your participation and look forward to having listeners back for another episode of the Retail Rundown. Thank you. Thank you, Carl. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Carl. A lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. That's this week's Retail Rundown. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at Rethink underscore Retail and show some love by subscribing, reviewing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.